Welcome to Let's Talk Sales. This is the podcast for anyone who's interested in growing sales. Today, we have a really special episode of Let's Talk Sales. It's brought to you by our webinar on selling through uncertainty. In it, we discuss how as a community of sellers, we can mitigate concern and risk, continue to do business, and achieve success through uncertain times. This audio snippet from our webinar will also give you a sense of the interactive experience that we provide in all of our webinars. To access the full recording, and for more information on how you can participate in our next live webinar, be sure to check out the notes for today's show at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod272. Now, here's the snippet. We teach all of our clients and something that we do internally is we focus on understanding the common problems that we solve. And so when we've been having conversations with CEOs and business owners and sales leaders and salespeople over the last few weeks and months, we've been hearing some common selling problems that people are experiencing. And I'd imagine a lot of you guys are experiencing some of these same problems too. So what we're hearing about selling is that prospects are delaying meetings, that you're having a lot of inconsistency when it comes to learning and training. It's more difficult to keep buyers engaged, right? They're distracted by the same things that we are, whether it's news or pets or working from home or supply chain disruption. Channels of communication have got a lot more complicated. Um, you know, even internet speeds in some areas are becoming uh, a problem because it's, it's hard to use all these systems now that you've got everybody working from home and, and straining the system to capacity. And then just overall, there's a loss of control that a lot of people are feeling. So I'd love to hear in the questions if these resonate with you, if you've got similar problems, similar concerns, similar challenges. And then also, if anybody wants to speak to this, if you raise your hand, we can unmute you. And if you want to just share your example of, of specific problems that you're having related to sales, we'll have more opportunities as we keep going here. Adrian Harris, I see that you have raised your hand. So I sent you the unmute request. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I'm from Toronto. Excellent. Welcome. Yeah. Was so up north? <laughs> yeah, the biggest challenge um, that we're seeing is prospects uh, delaying meetings and somewhat actually being uh, frozen. We had one customer yesterday where we, you know, we're trying to lead with generosity with no expectation of any sales. We are giving. That is our full on approach. And even mm -hmm. with um, offering to just provide learning on you know, resiliency as leaders and how to talk to your clients during crisis. Um, we're finding our clients to be a bit frozen. And what I, what I take from that is people need a few weeks to just breathe. So in the background, we're going to keep working on how we can bring value with no expectation of a sale and just to lead with generosity and support to our, our business community. That's wonderful. Well Thank said, you so Beth. much, Adrian. Really like yeah, oh, I think Adrian, being patient and letting people understand that, that you can give them time and space, that you're not coming in um, really pushing something. Uh, you know, so many companies right now are uncertain and they their cash flow is disrupted. Their their entire processes are are in flux and they're they're experiencing challenges. And so if you're pushing, you're just another stressor. So I love that you're giving people time and space to breathe. Um, I'm seeing a couple of comments, Michael Castro and Tammy Tronsky, um, saying pro the delays, 
uh, buyer engagement and communication are challenges. Um, Robert uh, is offering services free. Robert Weiss and Hank Marshall both said a compassion economy and offering things for free is really helpful right now. So really affirming what you said, Adrian. Thank you so much for sharing. All right. In addition to the problems that we're experiencing in actual selling, leadership in times like this can be especially challenging. So when it comes to leadership, here are some of the problems that we're hearing. I'm just gonna pull them all up first. Whoops. So uh, it's a lot harder to stay close to what exactly your sales team is doing when everything is fully remote. Again, many of you, some of you already had a remote team and so that this has always been a concern. But if this was a switch to, uh, from a team that was in the office some or all of the time to remote, they might be winging it. You can't see what they're doing. Um, there's not necessarily accountability. It's difficult to communicate with them. It's a completely different way to manage your team. Um, you're probably feeling a loss of control and your team might actually be feeling disconnected. So again, I'd love to hear whether in the comments or um, if anybody wants to raise your hand and share like Adrienne did, um, what are some of the challenges that you're seeing when it comes to leadership? Russ York mentioned being a resource for prospects is important. Yeah, I think that was in response to that last slide. I moved on a little too quickly, but that's an excellent point. All right. Does anybody want to raise your hand and talk about the leadership challenges that you're experiencing? And by the way, if you raise your hand once, you can kind of unraise your hand. All right, we've got a few people. Arianna, you want to pick? Okay. Up? Yeah, so I will unmute Hillary right now. Um, you should have gotten the invitation to unmute yourself. Hi, can you hear me? Yes, yes. we can though. Oh, perfect. Hi. Um, yeah, I think one of the things that we are facing is we've got um, a young and quite new team of sales development reps who are, mm. you know, drumming up business, booking meetings, um, and, and bringing in qualified leads for our salespeople. And I think what we're facing is trying to find the right balance between keeping them engaged and excited and encouraged whilst they're really struggling and while people are saying no a lot, a lot more than usual, I should say, but also um, keeping quality high. So being realistic about qualification mm -hmm. and what's making it through, but trying not to kind of squash their, um, their motivation. So it's what that right balance is. Definitely. That, that's especially challenging because I think we can all remember early stages of your career, um, whether it's in sales or, or really any other space, you're likely getting a lot of those challenges and a lot of the no's and, and kind of um, at the grindstone. But this is a huge weight on top of that and, you know, that kind of magnified. And you don't want it to crush their spirit. You don't want them to, um, to feel like they're, they're kind of just fighting against the entire world. And as a leader, um, figuring out, you know, I'm, I'm glad that you noticed. Know you can't let them um, work on, you know, non-qualified leads and and just kind of race to the bottom. But you're you're still going to deal with the fact that maybe the number of leads is going to be smaller. So supporting them through that conversation is is really important. And just um, this is this is not just this week. You know, it's going to be for a while. So thank you, Hillary. That's a great point. Somebody mentioned. Uh, Oh, this is, a, this is a challenge. Leanne, I work for a daily newspaper and sell advertising. Businesses are scared and don't know how they're going to survive. What do you suggest for our sales team? 
we work on commission only and have to survive as well? That's a really great question, Leanne. I was just reading an article yesterday um, in the New York Times, and I know the big newspapers are experiencing a really different situation than the smaller ones. Um, this is a really, really challenging time for, for the, the small community um, newspapers and like the alternative weeklies and other ones. It's, it's difficult when your local businesses are shut down. Um, you know, you can't get advertising for events because events aren't happening. And, um, you know, restaurants and, and bars and other local things that might have advertised in the past aren't advertising. Charles, do you have any thoughts um, on Leanne's question? Thanks, Elizabeth. I, it's tough, Leanne. Obviously, you've got a lot of disruption. And so I think engaging people as much as possible I think one of the questions we get is how do I engage people knowing that if I even remotely mention anything to do with selling, I'm likely to get the immediate, you know, the disruption, the virus objection. So my, my suggestion is, and this is for everybody, to when you reach out and you actually connect with either a, a buyer, a prospect, and um, you're, you're on the phone and you're having a conversation, I would encourage you to actually put the issue on the table right away and just say, listen, I know everyone's focused on this. You're probably going to tell me that you have, uh, you, you're in a stop mode, a pause mode. Can we put that aside and just talk about your business? And I think giving people that opening to um, let them know that you're here to listen right now um, will help at least maintain that engagement because I think at a fundamental level that's what we're all trying to do. Thank you Charles. That's such a great point and that really ties to one of our key values at Criteria for Success and I'm sure I hope this will resonate with a lot of you is your relationship with a client is not about an individual deal or opportunity you want a long-term relationship where there will be wins and losses along the way but if you can maintain relationship you're fine. Now, it's, this is a, an especially challenging time in some specific industries and, and newspapers and media. That's, that's one of the biggest ones. But back to what Adrienne was sharing earlier and then in the comments, I know Hank Marshall mentioned it as well. Um, coming in with compassion and generosity where possible and just really connecting and caring about people. They'll know that you care. They understand that you're in the same boat they are. And if you can just maintain and deepen your relationship, when we come out on the other side, they might be more willing to, to um, you know, work with you and to um, make those investments. Um, another comment from Hank. Uh, Hank is prolific in the comments. I love this. Um, understand if and how their buying needs have changed or are shifting. It's about meeting their needs that may be changing and understand that. Definitely just, you know, asking those questions and, and getting to understand those prospects, what they're dealing with. But as we move forward, I wanted to introduce a structure that we found can be helpful when you're thinking about sales process, sales organization, um, analyzing or, or building it. Here are five areas to think about. Prospecting, how do you get leads? Selling, how do you then close them? Support, what's the structure you put around sales? What are the systems that you use? And how do you work together as a team? So I'd love to have you think about all of these five areas as you're thinking about what questions you have. All right, I'm seeing a question from Pam Samarco. Um, I just started with three new prospects. Now they're totally unresponsive or delaying meetings. 
how do I keep momentum and re-engage at the right time without annoying them? That is a really great question. Charles, what are your thoughts on, on Pam's question? Well, that's another good question. So keeping people engaged. I think you need to focus less on what you want to tell prospects and more what you want to hear from prospects. And so I think some form of perhaps listing some best practice questions, Pam, that you might ask. You could either do that in an email or you could do that uh, if you connect. Uh, I think it goes back to what I was talking about with Leanne earlier in, in really hearing about people's concerns and facilitating that and giving people the sense that they can trust you enough without feeling that you're going to jump right all over them and try to pitch them something. But um, keeping people engaged is a big thing. I'm going to talk a little bit about that in some of the other tools that you see on the screen, but I'd like you to initially think about rather than when you're on the phone or just kind of scratching your head dreaming up what question would be a good question to ask have a list of best practice questions that you could literally throw out that you know will most likely resonate with the prospect and that way they may come back and engage with you yeah that's a great point pam um i see bruce also is really struggling about prospecting and making sales in this time of uncertainty. In order to survive, you need to be prospecting and selling. And I think what, what Charles says and what we were hearing from, from some of you who were sharing earlier, a lot, of, um, a lot of what you can do right now is to maintain relationship and keep engaged. We have one client where the VP of sales has called every single one of their customers in the last two weeks to just ask them about what's going on in their business what are the challenges that they're facing and how can he help? And these are not sales calls, although, you know, it's, it's turning into some potential conversations about opportunities, but this is maintaining a presence and, and FaceTime with those important, um, those important relationships, letting them know you care about them. When it comes to prospecting, it's a really similar thing. If you're having good conversations with your existing clients and understanding their businesses and understanding what situations they're encountering, those are the same stories and examples that you can use in your conversations with new prospects to say, you know, this is what we're hearing in companies like yours. Here are some of the problems that you're facing. Are you experiencing those same problems? Um, and so long as you have a solution that's aligned to solving those problems, uh, you may be able to, to work with them. All right, so Elizabeth, we have a question um, from Deborah, and it's asking, I found my current clients and contacts are much more willing to engage during self-isolation, but my business depends on constantly developing new relationships, which have been most effective when built on a face-to-face -face basis. What are your recommendations mm -hmm. for creating these personal connections digitally? Thank you, Deborah. Yeah, that is a really great question. I want to talk about it a little bit and then I'll turn it over to Charles. And also, I'd love, um, again, if some of you guys want to raise your hands if you want to talk about that, um, we'll unmute you or you can just share your comment uh, through the question box. It, it, it'll say it's a question, but it's a comment um, and a thought. But it's, it's really hard. As, as Deborah said, those existing relationships, people are willing to take the call. I saw even Nicole uh, Baradovich mentioned in the comments, our CEO is calling all of our clients to touch base. 
they're, they're going to take your call, hopefully. So hopefully you're making those calls. But new prospects, uh, you may have had a process around getting new prospects that was very dependent on in-person interaction. That might have been that you went to networking events or you gave speeches at in-person events. Or um, you even would schedule coffee and, and have referral and, and those warm conversations. You want to think about each of your vectors of lead generation that you used in the past. Can you transition it to the new way we communicate or not? And if you can't, you need to find a source of leads that replaces it at the same volume. So for example, Charles gives a lot of speaking engagements and he gives a lot of talks. And he would usually travel around in person to give those talks. He was supposed to be in Detroit last week giving a series of talks. He wasn't able to do that because he, he couldn't travel to Detroit. Those talks were canceled. But he delivered those same talks virtually. And um, through being on camera, it does help people connect to you a little bit more. Instead of just having a PowerPoint on the screen like we're doing today, you know, with the cameras, that can help. Um, and he saw about the same level of engagement. Charles, I'd love to hear um, you, you tell a little bit about that. Um, through the, the virtual talk instead of an in-person. So if you would normally go and have a one-on-one -on -one coffee with somebody, if you feel like making a phone call is a little bit cold, you're not getting that same connection, can you schedule a one-on-one -on -one Skype or FaceTime with that person? Um, really keeping connected visually as well as just through talking to people um, on the phone can be, can be something that's, that's helpful. Yeah, let me add to that. Thank you, Elizabeth. Uh, so, Deborah, um, we're friends, so I know you, and I, and I know a little bit about your business. The thing that you said really caught my attention, which is people are much more willing to engage during self-isolation now. So I think there is a desire for people to connect and engage. I think based on what Elizabeth was saying and my own experience, and by the way, uh, interestingly enough, the group that I talked to, it's a peer networking group of CEOs, the attendance has been literally double what it normally is in my talk. So when I go face to face, like I was supposed to be in Detroit last week, the, um, the attendance online in, in the um, streaming video was at least double. And so what I would encourage you and everyone else who has a similar situation that Deborah's facing is to mix one-on-one -on -one with group because there are some people who would prefer a one-on-one -on -one session with you, but in terms of efficiency and your ability to um, make a contribution to more people in less time, I think access is critical, managing your calendar is critical, and possibly having some slots in your calendar is uh, a way to go. So you could have three slots a week. You could have some in the morning, some in the afternoon for people on the West Coast or around the world that are in different time slots. And just have a, an agenda that you can drive, kind of what we're doing here. I mean, we, we want this to be, so I'll give you an example. When we were planning this webinar, we want this to be interactive, but we also didn't want it to be a complete free-for-all. So we're doing something in terms of managing the conversation. So I would encourage you to do the same. And then clearly for your business, your agenda is gonna be very specific. You could be talking about specific issues that are common to the people that will be participating. You could have some questions lined up, ready to go. You could have some stories lined up, ready to go. And then allow people to interact with each other. So I think structure, calendar management, 
and doing as much as possible in a group uh, session would be good. And of course, you can uh, do one on one as well. I hope that helps. Definitely. So, and we have a, oh. a comment from Michelle, and I think it's really good insight. So I wanted to share it with everyone on the webinar. Uh, she mentioned that she does a lot of networking, and in the past, she's conducted uh, quote coffees virtually, and they all agreed that. Uh, they saved a lot of money on parking and food and still had good meetings. So it is possible to conduct meetings virtually if you, as Charles mentioned, have a great agenda to uh, move them forward. Definitely. And uh, thank you for that, Michelle. I think that some of us have um, concerns around whether it's possible to replicate in person. And you're not going to get 100% the same experience that you would get in person, but it is amazing how much, um, how much connection you can have outside of that. And really thinking about, again, evaluate each of your lead gen sources and figure out, are we gonna get the same volume? Can we just transition that to a different method or do we need to replace it? Laura shared a resource in the chat um, with, uh, about social selling using LinkedIn and how to generate sales leads using LinkedIn. Something to think about is if you haven't invested in digital solutions for social selling and lead generation, whether that's inbound marketing or whether that's um, actually, we, we use LinkedIn to kind of ask for referrals on LinkedIn. That's the, the process that you'll find in that resource. This would be a great time to start some new channels of lead gen if the ones that you've historically done aren't happening. So for example, if you went to a lot of conferences, and those conferences are canceled, think about how can you replicate um, the same amount of time and activity. That's days of travel that your team doesn't have to do. So they've got time to maybe make more calls and, and send more emails and, and reach out to people um, through different methods. Uh, one, of the, one of the great things that you'll want to think about is figuring out who to target in this time. Some things that we're working on with each of our clients is analyzing their go-to-market um, in three areas as they're looking at this new economy, this new situation that we're in. First of all, who can you sell to right now? There might be some of the types of prospects that you've targeted before who aren't a fit right now, whether they don't have budget or they're shut down or um, they're, they're overwhelmed. There are even some, some industries that are really busy right now and they, they won't have time to take your call. So think about who will have time to take your call, whether it's that they have the, the cash, honestly, that, that's important, um, and, and they're still actively working. Second, think about what can we sell them? It might be the same thing that you've sold all the time for everybody, but there might be some things that you used to sell that you don't think you can deliver right now. Um, you know, we, we would sell in-person trainings. We're not really selling those right now, although you know, we're happy to schedule a training in future if you guys are interested. Um, but instead of trainings, now we're doing webinars. And we've always done webinars, but now we're going kind of webinar first instead of in-person first. Um, think about your offering and how you might need to change it because of the needs of the market. Um, third, you want to think about so you know who you're selling to, you know what you're selling to them, and then you have to craft what's the message. Why would they want to buy what it is that you're selling? And uh, understanding, remember that slide a couple of slides ago on common problems. What are the problems that they're experiencing? that your solution would solve for them. And if you can have that time, you know, work together with your team, and this is a great way to get your team engaged, brainstorming, who do we target, 
What do we sell them and why would they want to buy it? Um, you should come up with some new great ideas and messaging that you can use on the sales and marketing side to hopefully generate some new prospects. So that's something that we're seeing success in with a lot of our clients. All right, what are some other questions that you guys have? So I actually, I noticed a question that we skipped over in the beginning from Michelle. And Michelle, it's kind of a question and a comment, but she said, it doesn't feel right to sell right now. Um, what are your thoughts? So I'm sure a lot of people are feeling this way uh, based on the conversations we've been having so far in the webinar. So why don't we try to brainstorm maybe why it doesn't feel right and if that's what we call head trash um, and how we can get around that. So Charles and Elizabeth. Okay, so I'm gonna jump in. It's back to our mission. I think we need to change our context and our perspective. And I wholeheartedly agree with everyone who says, I don't feel comfortable selling. It doesn't seem to be appropriate. And some of that might be head trash. Listen, I've had that. I had my own team tell me the other day, you know, Charles, I think you're, what you were sharing about not selling anything at all might be head trash. So I think we need to shift the perspective. And this is what I mean. I think, by talking with people, asking them um, about their business, perhaps having a good discipline about asking very specific questions that target very specific problems will allow the person, if they see value in something you can provide that ultimately is gonna solve a problem or help them, then they, they will take the lead. So I think we need to start reframing as salespeople how we're conducting these conversations. Old school selling, and even before what's been going on here, we've been doing this with our clients, we've been training them a lot, to create openings, to create opportunities for buying to happen. And I think that, even though it sounds very simplistic, is a very big shift than creating opportunities for selling to happen. Because if you're coming into a conversation from the perspective that you want to sell something, it's going to put enormous pressure on you. It's going to perhaps put a strain on the conversation. And it's a lot different than if you go into a conversation with less expectations about you getting a transaction, you trying to sell something, and listening for opportunities where something might get bought. And although I said a lot around context, I do think that that makes a very big difference in the way you show up in a conversation. And so, as we had said very early on, if your intent is contribution, if your intent is to let people discover your value, they will probably reach out and say, can you help me? They may not use those words specifically, but there will be that opportunity, what I call an opening, for something to happen. And so I think that's what I wanna leave you with and hopefully that will change a little bit. More for you, the pressure that you put on yourself and kind of let, let it be more of a natural occurrence. I mean, let buying be more of a natural occurrence. Elizabeth, you wanna to add to that? Yeah, that's, that's so helpful. And I think that really, um, that addresses a question that I see from Russ as well, which is how, how would you approach a business that is unusually busy during this time? 
So there are a lot of businesses, and, and some of us um, have seen this in our own businesses or, or seen this you know, in, in people that we're talking to that are shut down right now or, or really um, slowing down right now. But then there are businesses that are, that are thriving, and, um, and you know, whether that's um, obviously companies that are producing medical equipment, um, whether you're seeing delivery uh, companies, um, some transportation companies, I know Amazon and Walmart are both hiring hundreds of thousands of people, um, and there are companies right now that are especially busy. If you can identify a problem you solve for them that will help them deal with the, the crush that they're experiencing, that is, uh, that's a, a piece of information that they would like to, to hear. And so, um, you know, thinking about uh, understanding those problems, understanding, again, back to that go-to-market message that you have for them, and then sending an email with the problem in the subject line, you know, tactical things like that, um, connecting through somebody who is, who is a trusted partner. Um, if, if you're targeting somebody, you know they're busy, and you know you have a solution for them, it's a great way to use LinkedIn is to see, do you know anybody that's connected to them to say, hey, Charles, I see that, that you're connected to Ariana. Um, I know she's really busy. We have a solution that might be helpful for her. Would you be able to make an introduction? And this can be a time where a warm introduction could really help somebody make the time to take your call. But Charles, do you have any other thoughts on getting time with people who are especially busy right now? Um, no, I think I said enough. I'd like to hear if there are other people, Ariana, do we have anybody else who wants to offer up some solutions? I don't want this to be just CFS doing all of the talking. So if anyone wants to speak up, please feel free to raise your hand. Um, but right now we do have a question from Robert that relates to what we were just talking about um, earlier with getting through the head trash of feeling like it's doesn't feel right to sell right now. He asked if there's, if we have any advice on how to express that in uh, written word via email. Yeah, absolutely. It, it is different. Um, it, sometimes it's actually easier to have some of these conversations uh, verbally because you can through the tone of your voice and hopefully you are curious and invested in your relationship with people, in, um, in helping them in their business, it's a lot easier to do that uh, verbally. You transition it to an email, and this can be sending emails that are soft check-ins with a still call to action, right? But uh, uh, I'm just checking in. Share a little bit about what you're going through personally, what you're seeing in your business, some of the problems that you're seeing in the industry, and then just ask them how things are going. Um, you don't want to come in with a hard sales email right now. Um, most of the time, honestly, you don't want to go in with a hard sales email. Um, if you really care about people and you care about um, how you can help them and what you do that helps them be more successful, they see that. And that comes out whether it's, whether it's in a, a conversation over the phone or over a webinar or um, an email that you send. And so if you really think about putting yourself in their shoes, does what you're sharing add value to them? You know, sending people resources that you're seeing that are, that are relevant to what's going on in their industry, you know, um, whether it's even about things like here, here's an information, here's information I saw about a loan program for companies in situations like yours. Um, that's a great resource to send. And so if you sell to distinct industries, distinct verticals, try to stay on top of the unique challenges that they might be facing as well as the, the resources that are available. It doesn't even have to be something you provide, but if you can give them information about it, that's incredibly helpful. All right, we're seeing lots of other um, great 
question. Quickly, I can't help but jump into this because I'm not sure I'm going to have the opportunity. I'm looking at the clock and I'm seeing that we're getting close to time. Robert and everybody else, I want to kind of expand the question a little bit and rather just answer that specific, how do I deal with um, email and selling people via email. General email etiquette, I think today is critical. We've been saying this for a long time, but I'd say even now, um, it's more important to keep emails really short. Less is more. There's just a lot of noise coming in over the inbox right now. Uh, I would keep your email short and I would use numbered bullets. I've been a proponent, if anyone's worked with me for many years, on <laughs> eliminating, practically eliminating paragraphs and using bullets. And I'll tell you one of the side benefits of using numbered bullets. If you can put down in six or less numbered bullets your message, your thought, You've, number one, condensed your thinking so that you're focusing on what's essential. And number two, you're just making it visually appealing for someone to want to engage with that email because people are hardwired from numbers. They love seeing numbers. They, their eyes are drawn into numbers as a sequence. So just in general, think about what are the points you want to make or the questions you want to ask and present the email in a structure. And please, um, just for, for the sake of appeasing me at least, Eliminate paragraphs as much as possible. <laughs> people just don't want to read. Honestly, people right now don't want to read a whole ton of information. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, that, I just had to throw that in. That's a great point. Um, and Tammy had a great comment that she shared as well. Um, she said it's important to communicate your availability to help. She's been checking in over text, email, phone, and LinkedIn on people and their family. You know, even just asking people, you don't know if a prospect literally has a family member who's in the hospital right now. Um, and so if, if, you, if you feel a, a distinct sense, a, a real sense that you're committed to them and you care about them as a person and you express that, just, you know, what are you doing? How, how's everything going? Asking about their business, but also them as a person. We're, we're people selling to other people. And it's important to remember that um, all the time, but especially now. Um, uh, Tammy so focusing on solutions. Yes, yeah, so we have a question in here from Mary, and I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit just so that um, people can remember it because it's easy to read. But if I if I read it out loud, you'd probably be confused. But basically, um, they have Tammy's company. I mean, I'm sorry, Mary's company offer a really specialized service to large chemical plants, refineries, and more. Um, and now, due to what's happening, there are other companies offering a similar service at a much lower cost and quality. So she's wondering, how do you sell customers uh, to see value for a more specialized and maybe more expensive mm. service? That is a great question, Mary. And we see this happening right now. It's very urgent because you're seeing it in your space. But this happens in a lot of industries where a commodity that's similar to yours uh, hits the market. And it's difficult for prospects to understand what's the difference between this thing that I'm seeing that's really cheap and what it is that you're selling me. And so something to think about is um, a term we like to use is, is what are the distinctions? What are the differentiators between your offering 
and this commodity that hit the market? What are the things that you know based on your experience working with these very complex prospects that are specialized to this industry? What are the different ways of delivering your service? How have you built your business to meet the needs of these special um, clients? And your messaging needs to communicate those. You can't talk about the generals, um, the, the generalities that everybody else can talk about, right? So you disinfect and these other companies disinfect. Okay, so don't talk about disinfecting. But if there's a special way that you disinfect certain equipment that they use in this industry, certain tools and systems, factory floors or whatever it is that you've learned over the course of, of your business targeting these specific kinds of prospects, that's the message that you want to lead with. Um, you don't want to bash the competitors, right? You never want to, to say anything negative, but you can talk about something that you do that you know they don't do. And so you say something like, you know, we've learned in our years working in this industry that it's really important to disinfect, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, you know, it's important to have a team that has this level of experience. Uh, anytime you're, you're talking to somebody, make sure you're asking them if they have that and you know that they don't have that. So really think about um, what does actually make you different. And there should be a lot about um, you know, what you've learned over the years. And if you don't feel, by the way, like you are different enough, then it's a good time to evaluate your offering and think about how can we be more valuable to our, to our clients? How can we um, address them specifically? And that could be a good opportunity to kind of uh, improve your offering but I'm, I'm sure that you've already done that and you address it. All right, we're seeing. Thank you, Elizabeth. Um, oh. Sorry, so yeah, so we have a few more questions and I see we're five minutes away to time. So um, we're gonna try to get through these. So some, uh, Scott asked, if we provide solutions that can benefit from the current COVID situation, how sensitive do we need to be with our selling message to our markets and customers? In other words, we do not want to be perceived as taking advantage of a bad situation. Absolutely. And I'm going to go back to what Charles said earlier. And Charles, you might have a thought on this as well. But context is key. And if you're communicating your, your context that you care about people and that you're just trying to help, you know, we've, we've probably all seen the stories of people who are price gouging in the market right now. And you certainly don't want to do that. But if you provide something that is useful, um, it's, it's worth getting to the people that you could solve those problems for. Really evaluate your messaging and put yourself in the mindset of that prospective buyer when you read that email. This can be a time, if you're concerned, to have somebody outside your business take a look at the email before you send it or take a look at messaging before you, before you deploy it. Make sure that you're being sensitive to what's going on. But um, the term Charles used before about head trash, I think a lot of us have head trash about reaching out and getting out in the market right now. And it's up to us to keep the economy moving as much as we can. And so if you can have conversations and, and engage with people, everybody wants to keep their businesses running right now. And so um, you know, the, the conversations that you have are contributing to that. Charles, I don't know if you have any additional thoughts. I do. And um, because we're, again, sensitive to the time, I'm going to give everybody a homework assignment. And what I want all the listeners to do, because I think it's going to address all, if not at least the majority of all the concerns and questions you have. So we call it a problem opportunity matrix, but I'm going to break it down for you. When, when, what we call consultative selling, 
is essentially four fundamental behaviors, asking really good questions, uh, surfacing problems, being able to share solutions to the problems that you've surfaced, and telling stories. And I go back to some of the concerns, especially if you think you're in a commodity, have some success stories that prove that you have added tremendous value beyond the price, et cetera. So the homework assignment is the following. List out all the features, as many as you can. Let's start with 10. List out 10 features of your product or service. And for each feature, um, ask yourself, what is the benefit of that feature? So if for us, one of our features is having a sales playbook. The benefit is you have consistency. You have a system for selling. The next is what is the problem that that benefit is uh, solving? And it's always the opposite. So if you, again, for us, if the benefit is having a system, having consistency, the opposite of that, which is the problem, is not having a system, no consistency. Once you've put 10 rows down and three of those columns, feature, associated benefit, problem that it gets solved, you can now design questions for each one of those. So if you are on the phone or you want to do this via email, you say, please tell me about these five things. And one of those will resonate. Better still, once you've done that exercise, take those 10 problems. And as we did at the beginning of this webinar, um, put those in an email and just say, these are the 10 common problems we're seeing with our clients or our customers. And that will allow someone to say, yeah, I got that one, I got that one, I got the other one. It goes back to what we call discovery-based selling, where people are discovering uh, problems they have and how you can help them. So that's one critical tool that I think will help you resolve a lot of what we're talking about. Thank right. you, Charles. Last, and I, I was just going to say, I see we have a few more questions, and it does not look like we have time to get to them. Um, and we're so sorry. We are hosting this webinar a few more times, so please uh, check your uh, registration page for more information on that. But I'll hand it over to Charles Wilson to close it out. Great. So we're all going through can, you know, some very tough times, obviously. There's a lot of worrying going on. So we've been using this term, criteria for success, head trash. I'm just going to translate that for people who are unfamiliar with that term. It's basically worrying. That's what we're talking about. I'm doing it. A lot of people are doing it right now. I, want, I found this quote online, which I think is perfect for this topic of worrying. It's by Glenn Turner, who is a New Zealander author. And he said, worrying is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it gets you nowhere. So what I want us to be thinking about is, yes, we're going to be worrying. Yes, we're going to have uh, head trash. But at a minimum, let's put some plans in place. Let's just write down action that we can take. What can we do that will keep us engaged? I've been through, this is now a third crisis. We had 9-11. We had the stop. We had the crash of 2008. And we, had, uh, we, we have what we're going through now. And I think for the leaders here on the call, the, I, I would encourage you to be honest without being negative or doomsdayer. But be honest, tell the truth. And people will give you tons of room if they know you have a plan. What really scares people is if you're just 
winging it, thrashing, uh, making it up as you go along. I think now's the time to really settle down and think about being as proactive as possible, writing those questions, thinking about the problems you solve, writing out some stories that can demonstrate what you do, and also letting people know, as we've heard, that you're there for them. So I hope this was helpful. Uh, we, as Ariana said, we're going to do more of these because we think there's an appetite for this. And please don't hesitate to follow up with me directly or with anyone else uh, on our team. We genuinely are here to help. Thank you so much for listening to Let's Talk Sales. You can find the notes for today's show at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 272. Remember, if you'd like to participate in our next live webinar and um, also view the full recording of the webinar that you just heard a snippet of, you can find all the information to do that in those notes at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 272. Be sure to tune in on Friday for another inspirational episode. And don't forget to check out the blog at criteriaforsuccess.com slash insights. If you enjoyed today's show, please recommend this to a friend. That's the best way to help more people discover the show. And if you're not yet subscribed, make sure to do that. That way you'll hear every new episode as soon as it's posted. You can subscribe for free wherever you're listening right now. We love, love, love hearing from our listeners. You can leave us ratings and reviews in Apple Podcasts or email us with direct feedback, questions, and guest suggestions at podcast at criteriaforsuccess.com. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at CFSClick. Let's Talk Sales is a production of Criteria for Success and is produced by Ariana Miskell, Laura Marchoff, and me, Elizabeth Frederick. Happy selling!